Alrighty, it is Monday, and it is that time in the show when we visit our friends over at Black Locks Reporter, where they dig up all the good, juicy little nuggets that don't get all the attention, but they should, because they actually matter, and they matter, uh, of course, as we lead up to an election. No one doing it better these days, and no one busier than Tom Korsky, who is the managing editor over at Black Locks. Hello there, sir. Hi, Alex. Let me start with Bill C-10. Um, interestingly, uh, the the bill that got so much attention when it got no attention at all in the beginning. Apparently, I mean, even the liberals um, are now, you know, admitting it's in trouble. A big trouble. It is uh, languishing in the Senate Communications Committee. If there's no election, it will go to very lengthy and uh, conflicted hearings. There's uh, The chair of the committee has described it as Orwellian. So that gives you an idea of the flavor of the hearings. And we see in a, in a briefing note from the Department of Canadian Heritage that uh, they acknowledge for the first time it looks shaky. Why does that matter? Because cabinet really put it on the line. The government house leader uh, stated publicly this was a huge priority for cabinet. There's no time to waste. It must pass into law right Right now, right now. Well, it's not. It's in a lot of trouble. Uh, the department acknowledges for the first time adverse reactions, not from conspiracy theorists, but from people who mm. care about free speech in our country. So this was really a signature bill, uh, the first attempt to regulate legal Internet content in Canada, and it did not go well. No, and had they done it, um, you know, the right way, which, you know, and I'm not sure what they thought that they could do by ramming it through, fully knowing that without debate, without conversation, and with th and putting Guibault on it, who was clearly a disaster from day one. I mean, they, they should have had a minister, uh, whether it be LeBlanc or someone who has got a brain, uh, and might be able to explain it. They might have done a little bit better on this thing, but the thing was so flawed from the beginning um, that even the, the biggest loyalist could, could not polish the turd. And they used uh, language that was designed to uh, quash dissent. They talked about sure. regulation of hate speech without noting uh, that that's been illegal for 50 years in Canada under the criminal code. And so there was a, uh, you can see a real political miscalculation here that in, when you say, well, we must take action against hate speech, that there would be advocates who would say, look, I am not going to be bullied by your aggressive language. This is about legal speech, and it's about cabinet determining uh, what will be acceptable and unacceptable political discourse on the Internet. As far-reaching and berserk as that is, mm -hmm. it was their concept, and they thought they would pull a fast one, and it went awry. Yeah. And um, yeah, it did go right. Nonetheless, we'll see what happens. But it looks if the election is pulled, and I suspect it is because you got Trudeau there campaigning every single day, not even making a secret of it. I mean, there's just announcement after announcement after announcement. I mean, we're going to an election. It's just a matter of like, is it going to happen in August, in September? But I don't think so, uh, C10. Yeah, I don't even think, you know, I, I just don't see it coming back to life. And that's not a bad thing. And it's, and it's a lesson learned for, you know, it's really important, Alex, to set these benchmarks for cabinet. Yeah. Like, you have to know what the bottom of the barrel is. And now they know <laughs> that there is a constituency. They are eloquent, motivated, bipartisan people who care a lot about free speech on the Internet. And now they know that you're not going to pull a fast one or get past... Uh, scrutiny with vague talk and damning regulations that everyone got the message now on parliament hill well i hope so because uh, if they get a majority in this next election you know they're going to try again 
Um, Cabinet on Saturday uh, quietly rewrote the quarantine rules after, you know, the, all this cross-border traveling. I'm not sure what they're doing on this file, Tom. And I know you guys really aren't following the announcement made about the border opening up, uh, you know, uh, for Canadians to go into the U.S. or any of that. But, you know, why would they even bother changing these Quarantine Act rules and doing this on the weekend if they don't have a fulsome deal uh, with the United States today. I mean, we only have half the story here, but nonetheless, they have been saying for the longest time that 75% of Canadians must be fully vaccinated before these quarantine rules are lifted. And now, and they were asked about that today, and they, again, didn't answer as to why all of a sudden they've changed their mind on these policies. Yeah, it's because they're not following the science. This is political science. So much for following the science. It was stated policy, and in fact, a legal text that uh, restrictions that have gone on for 16 months on non-essential travel that drive people crazy uh, would not change unless 75% of Canadians were fully vaccinated. They're not even close. But Mm -hmm. it's summertime, and we are a sub-Arctic people. They understand what July and August means to Canadians, and they want to get (laughs) re-elected. So, so much for following the science. Uh, So they deleted the 75% uh, full vaccination quota and said it's going to be a lot more subjective now. It'll be based on hospitalization rates, local infection rates. Yeah, we're going to take a look at it. But all signs point to keep the electors happy because they're very owly these days because everyone's had enough. It's gone on now for two summers and everyone's fed up. Yeah, absolutely. And I I don't think they did themselves any favor today by announcing like half a border opening because I think it's going to piss off a lot of Canadians as to why we still can't travel to the U.S. Because, again, this is one of those things that should have been a reciprocal deal. We should have had all the information. And yet here we have half a message. And, uh, you know, which leads me to think there's, you know, it's, it's what they're not saying is what we should pay attention to. And and the impact is uneven. There's no doubt about it. When they talk about easing some restrictions in August and then there'll be some easing of restrictions in September, the main point is they want everyone to remember easing of restrictions. What does it really mean? Hotel Association says, even if they fully reopen the border, it won't happen until the fall. There goes our uh, season Mm -hmm. once again. They talk about, this is the lobby group, take it for what it's worth, 70% of hotel operators in Canada are facing insolvency without ongoing direct federal subsidies to Christmas. So the year is lost if you're in the tourism and hospitality industry. It's lost already. But it may not be lost on electors who might want to go fishing in the Michigan Peninsula or go down to Blaine, Washington for a hockey tournament. That's what this is about. Yeah. Pretty much. Um, I think this one's interesting. Uh, cabinet spending six months. The Trudeau government sent, spends six months on the search for a new commissioner of indigenous languages who spoke French. And uh, this is according to documents you guys dug up. They didn't bother with the French part of it and uh, settled on a, a B.C. anthropologist who will get a $216,000 a year post but doesn't speak French. And, um, you know, Bill C-91 which uh, was introduced two years ago, is an act to respect Indigenous languages, and and they needed a commissioner. Um, Bottom line is, though, uh, you know, there was no requirement in this that the candidate had to speak French. But if you're talking about Indigenous reconciliation, and at this particular time, 
I don't understand why they would push the limits on finding someone who not, not only speaks indigenous languages, but French on top of it, because French is the official language, Tom, and damn it, we're going to offend everybody in the process just to make sure we can please one province. Well, it was hard, and it didn't work. <laughs> they sent out 1,600 1600 emails begging for trilingual appointees, <laughs> and they couldn't yeah. find one, and they settled on, a, uh, as you mentioned, a commissioner from British Columbia who speaks English and an indigenous dialect, does not speak French, and they settled on that after First Nations told them, knock it off. It's not yeah. 1975, and yet, you know, there is a mandate under the Official Languages Act, and for the, the advocates of that, it's always 1975. It will never stop being 1975. But, you know, so much for reconciliation. I mean, then, then you read about, you know, Mary Simon, who's um, apparently the uh, language watchdog, has now opened up this official investigation after 400 complaints came through because she doesn't speak French. I mean, if we really want to argue this, I think Indigenous people would argue, well, the Indigenous languages were the first official language in this country. Uh, so maybe you want to back off, you know, uh, Quebec. Uh, but again, you're going to get rid of, you're going to lose a lot of really good qualified candidates if this argument continues on. Because I don't know in 2021 who's trilingual, let alone bilingual. It, it, but, but these appointments are not a meritocracy. That investigation launched by the uh, Commissioner Taberge, Official Languages Commissioner, is frankly outrageous. Sure. There have been, since the Official Languages Act was passed by Parliament in 1969, there have been two governors general who spoke French like I speak French. Ferme Laporte yeah. closed the door. <laughs> Raina Titian and Ed Schreier. And one was a Ukrainian-Canadian and one was a German-Canadian. Everyone thinks they did a fine job, but there was no investigation. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting in this age of reconciliation? Yeah. The language commissioner would get himself tied in knots when it's a woman who speaks in Noctitut. Isn't it that fascinating? 1975, yeah. Alex, never forget. Never forget. No, it'll be interesting. I'll be, I'll be watching Trudeau, how he, how he answers this question, both in French and English, as to what he says, because uh, he's trying to please the indigenous vote with this appointment, but he's, you know, could lose the French vote on it as well. So we'll, we'll see what uh, how he balances this one. All right. Got to let you go, sir. Always enjoy our conversations, which we will have another one on Wednesday. Thank you, Alex. Thank you. That is Tom Korski, managing editor over at Black Locks Reporter. And of course, it's a subscription based magazine. A lot of you guys ask me, where do I get it? Well, you get it online. So uh, it is definitely worth the investment. They break pretty much all the stories that we are talking about.